Hello and welcome to another episode of Too Young for This Hit, the podcast where we think we're recording, but we're not, and then we just do it all again. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what we normally do and what we're doing today is watch a movie that I've never seen. My name's Tyler, I forgot to say that. Um, so watch a movie I've never seen with a friend who loves it. And uh, yeah, so today I am watching a movie, well, I already have watched a movie, but I'm talking about a movie with my friend uh, Bill from the RPG Golden Years podcast. Hey, that's good. Dead Podcast Society. <laughs> oh, yeah. <forget> that. <laughs> uh, hopefully I won't be the only host of that. <laughs> yeah, I am planning to do one um, real soon. But yeah. So, um, yeah, so like I said, we lost the first half of this episode. So any of this conversation seems like, you know, not like genuine and like we're just kind of repeating, you know, we're just saying things because that's kind of the case. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Like my suggestion of renaming the show to Too Young for This Flop. (laughs) Yes. All right. So where do we even start now? Oh, no. Earlier that day. um, I asked you guys to retweet my like last post of like new episode coming out and I told you I'd take a shot for each of those retweets but unfortunately it's uh 7 a.m and I have to take my father-in-law to the airport so I can't take like shots of liquor so I'm doing shots of beer and I hope you don't mind remember it's 7 a.m I'm drinking coffee and I'm also about to drink some beer so I'm just gonna chug the whole beer I feel like that makes more sense than taking putting in shot glasses so hang on Oh, also, Bill doesn't know I'm drinking. Uh, yes, well, this is a film that I do like, um, and I think it doesn't get enough credit. I think it's a good film. Uh, I think some of the stuff that led up to the film uh, being released uh, worked in its depth, uh, worked to make people hate it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it's a good film, and it deserves a bit more love from people. So you like it. Um, let's see if I can remember everything we talked about before. <laughs> um, you've watched it, like once a year until uh, your child was born <laughs> <laughs> yes and then when as soon as the child's born basically you stop doing everything Baby shark, yeah so i bought it years ago on the psn store uh so it works on my psp so it's always just been loaded on there and it's kind of like one of those things it was just like a very easy watch for me if i was going on a long journey somewhere so you know if one of my mates happened to be driving somewhere or if i was going on a plane on holiday or something you know i could just sit there headphones on what should i do oh i watch spirits within <laughs> i just said the name of the show yeah. <laughs> yeah this is that's what we're talking about guys i don't really think i have a movie like that where i can just pop it in used to anchorman was my go-to movie oh yes that was yeah. my go-to movie for a while as well <laughs> i used yeah. to watch that over and over and over again when i was in high school it was on like hbo or whatever movie channel my parents had like every day like as soon as i got home from school so i would just watch it like every day so i think i watched it every day for a month and i had a, the entire movie memorized like word for word at one point <laughs> god yeah when i was um i think when i was like 12 or 13 i had every word of austin powers remem- memorized from <laughs> beginning nice. you, you know spending my time wisely as a kid there yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah you know there's a few movies like that like um fifth element i absolutely love yeah. die hard you know i've seen that a billion times before as well Never uh, seen they're, it. They're just great great films <laughs> that you can just pop it in and it's um they're such entertaining rides 
<laughs> I think it's the best way of describing it. If you've got a good entertaining thing from beginning to end, it's worth a watch. But yeah, I mean, this film, this film, Final Fantasy Spirits Within, uh, it did not do well, Tyler. It did not. <laughs> it, it destroyed was. a company. It did. It, it destroyed Square and uh, its creator, uh, Hironobu Sakaguchi. The Gooch. Who, yeah, the Gooch. <laughs> That's it. So yeah, people, if you hear me say the Gooch, I'm talking about Hironobu Sakaguchi who is the creator of Final Fantasy. So he created Final Fantasy 1 back in like 83 or something, 84, 87, 87, I think. Oh God, I should, I should know that given my retro <laughs> podcast. Yes. Um, That's before the golden years. So. That, is before, that is before the golden years. Correct. <laughs> hey, someone understands the format. <laughs> um, I get so many questions about why are you playing this game? Because it's like, hey, <laughs> generation cut off. It's like, what? Yeah, you, you find it in the first episode. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, uh, oh God, I feel like I need to explain that now for your listeners. <laughs> no, no, so, it's yeah. just some incentive to go check out your podcast, at least the yes. first episode, so they understand what we're talking about. <laughs> yes, check out RPG The Golden Years. <laughs> so that you uh, can understand our format where we're playing about 500 rpgs from the golden generation of home consoles do you have like (laughs) any idea how long it's going to take you to get through all of them well uh, if the current game's anything to go by uh i'll probably be dead before (laughs) (laughs) i'm like really far behind i've been trying to catch up i was hoping to get caught up before we recorded this but yeah i'm still i think i'm on like episode 12 or so all oh, right yeah so you've listened to the uh yeast book one and two review correct yes yes uh, okay so that was the last official game we reviewed uh, so, i'm slightly ocd when it comes to numbers oh. and lists um and so the game after yeast book one and two which is an amazing game uh you know i absolutely blew that on the review <laughs> <laughs> but the game after that was fantasy star 2 i played and completed as quickly as i could fantasy star 1 uh-huh. <laughs> which was an old uh, master system game because I just I couldn't I couldn't stand the fact that I was going to be playing number two and having it. <laughs> and yeah, that was episode ten was the last official review, and I think we're on episode twenty three now. <laughs> nice. So we've we've played we played and completed five games, <laughs> and it's taken us twice the amount of length <laughs> to get to the get anywhere near the end of Fantasy Star Two. I'm still not even there. I think I'm still got like a quarter of the game left to go. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was wondering how you guys were going to do it because it's a weekly podcast. I'm like, are you going to play these entire games in a week? (laughs) Oh, I wish. (laughs) No, it's every week we, if we haven't got a game to review, we just pick a subject and uh, we go on that and we just talk about it for an hour. (laughs) (laughs) And we do do our best to keep you guys entertained. But there's been so much going on recently that it's been really easy. But I have to admit, this this week was a bit of a struggle. Nothing seems to have happened this week in the RPG world. Uh, oh yeah, this film came out. Uh, it flopped. Hironobu <laughs> uh, Sakaguchi wanted to make a film his entire life, so he made this film, uh, and it was decided at some point to slap the title Final Fantasy on it, despite the fact this film has almost no Final Fantasy references to it. Okay, so was uh, it originally conceived as a Final Fantasy film? No, it was not. Uh, well, I don't that think that makes it was. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was by uh, the Gooch. Anyway, <laughs> I think he just wanted to make a film, and then uh, part of it was to show off how good SquareSoft are at making, or how good Square, yeah, how good SquareSoft are at mm-hmm. making, um, you know, video cutscenes. I will say for 2001, this looks really good. It still holds up. A lot of the techniques they used in this film uh, were ported over and used for the Avatar movie. Yeah. Oh. 
just to show you how how well it keeps up. (laughs) There were a few things I noticed that are like a little off. Like hands are basically the only thing that don't look right to me. Everything else is like proportional. And then like there's something about their thumbs. Next time you watch it, it'll probably bother you. Like their (laughs) thumbs, something's not right with them. I don't know if it's that they're like too stiff and they like never bend or what. But everything else is like really fluid animations. (laughs) Apart from the thumbs. Yes, the thumbs. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so it was just like it was supposed to be a big showcase of what Squaresoft can do and then yeah because because of the fact that it was headed by uh, the CEO of the company the Gooch! the creator of Final Fantasy they slapped the tag Final Fantasy on it which meant um, which probably meant people who would have gone seen the film if it wasn't called Final Fantasy didn't go see the film and then people who loved Final Fantasy and went to saw the film were disappointed by the lack of Final Fantasy and so didn't go back to watch the film a second time yeah <laughs> And so it just kind of, it all, it all worked to the detriment of the film, I think, uh, slapping the title Final Fantasy on it. So I think it cost something like $138 million or something around that mark to make. It only made $80 million in the box office. And so it had like a 90s, these, these figures didn't add up when I was reading them, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think the total loss that they made was like $97 million. I think they said they had like a $30 million advertising budget. Yeah, you, meant, you mentioned before that you didn't remember this being advertised when you were a kid, but it was everywhere. Yeah, well, I think typical for blockbuster movies, they spend the same amount of money on marketing as they do making the movie. That could be like more modern. I know that's the case with like Marvel movies, and I don't know if DC does it anymore now that you know most of their movies have been doing pretty awfully, but. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a it was a huge flop that ended up reversing a takeover because uh, Square Square Soft were in the process of taking over uh, a publishing company called Enix at the time, uh, and the film did so badly that they couldn't afford to take over Enix. But both companies were so deep into the merger process that they ended up reversing it, and Enix then took over Square Soft. <laughs> <laughs> it lost so much money on this project. That's and then, crazy. understandably, uh, Mr. Gooch uh, was asked to politely step down from his role as CEO of the company. And so he did. And he started up a Mist Walker Studios. Uh, but yeah, so this film killed one of my favourite people. <laughs> <laughs> he's still, uh, the Gooch! still alive, by the way. <laughs> he's not dead. But, you know, yeah. spiritually, spiritually, his Final Fantasy dream's dead. <laughs> so yeah, it seems like they spent most of that budget on the cast. Yeah, so I'm going <laughs> to run through like the main characters and maybe you can like tell us something that you recognize them from. Mm-hmm. So uh, Dr. Aki Ross, she's the, uh, like, basically the main character. She's voiced by Ming-Na who um, I know you no, don't recognize, but yeah, no idea she's, in, uh, she's Agent May on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, it's an okay show. She's really good in that role. Um, I don't know what else she's done, but she's good in that role. Cool. Because, um, yeah, I thought she, she did well in this film. Yeah, when I looked her up earlier, I saw she voices someone in Mulan, but not Mulan 1, Mulan 2. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Hitting the top quality there, isn't it? <laughs> mm-hmm. So for all we know, she could be replacing um, Mulan. I don't know. I seriously doubt they have the same actor because I also seriously doubt the dragon's voice by Eddie Murphy. <laughs> the... Well, yeah, that's like all the Aladdin sequels. I doubt they uh, they got Robin Williams back to do the genie. Yeah, and when they had the Aladdin show, I really doubt. Oh it was God, Robin. I remember that. Wow, the Aladdin show. God, you yeah. just you just unlocked a whole section of my childhood. I'd forgotten. It's really good. <laughs> At least, you know, in my, like, I was probably, like, six or eight when I saw it. I don't know. 
I just remember this one episode. <laughs> this is a long tangent. This one episode where there was like, I'm about to reference a movie that I haven't seen, but uh, you, you know, like the spider thing in uh, Wild Wild West. Oh, yep. Yeah. So there was like a robot magical creature like that. And it was just like torching the desert and turning everything to glass. And then it was like sliding on the glass afterwards. So it like defeated itself or something. Yep. <laughs> it defeated itself. Episode done. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I learned that, uh, you know, glass is made from sand. Mm. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> See, cartoons do teach us things, kids. Yes. <laughs> Watch more cartoons, is what you're saying. <laughs> so next character is uh, Dr. Sid, voiced by Donald Sutherland. Yes, who I'm pretty sure is the dad of Kiefer Sutherland. Yes, And probably. if he's not, he now is. <laughs> <laughs> so you probably recognize him from the hunger games for sure and um bill has said that he's also been in every movie you ever watched as a kid so <laughs> <laughs> he definitely has <laughs> one. Um, um yeah he was in like mash he was in the dirty dozen he was in kelly's heroes um oh what else was he in uh space cowboys Backdraft. i've seen none of them i'm vaguely familiar with mash like i remember seeing ads for it but i've never watched it uh, yeah, I think well, he was definitely in the film for MASH. Um, oh, okay. I didn't even know there was a film. I thought it was just the show. Yeah, there's a lot of like, he did a lot of old uh, cowboy films and old World War II films. He's in a lot of those. <laughs> See, my, I used to watch a lot of those with my dad as a kid. So <laughs> that's probably why I recognize him a lot. I tell you what, he was in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. You know, the one that came out before the series? No, I didn't know there was a movie before the series. <gasps> oh, yeah, she's blonde. Ah. Oh. oh, well, oh, God, yeah, hang on. That was released 1992. See, I'm revealing my age here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would have been too. I, oh, by the way, I think you're the first guest who is actually older than me, which was the entire like concept of this podcast is having people older than me telling me about <laughs> movies that they liked that I would have missed. Hang on, so if you were, you were two in when, 90? Uh, 92. 92, so I'm... Uh, I'm I'm only five years older than you. Okay, not, not, not that old, but I am older. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're still in your early thirties. Uh, yes, early thirties. Married, <laughs> children, mortgage up to the eyeballs, all that stuff. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good mortgage up to the eyeballs. <laughs> no, no kids here, just cats. But I have cats up to my eyeballs. Um, next is Gray Edwards, Captain Gray. Yes, hang on, one second. Uh huh. Kiefer Sutherland is officially Donald Sutherland's son. <laughs> I, I, just, I just went on Wikipedia. <laughs> it's official. Like, we no longer speculation. Um, yeah, it's no longer speculation. The adoption forms have been filled out. <laughs> it's Donald, Donald Sutherland's been notified. Yes, he has. And he is agreed to it. He was like, hell yes. <laughs> what, the guy from Kelly's Heroes? Yeah, I'm down. <laughs> oh, sweet. I love that guy. <laughs> I'm just yours? imagining him adopting a grown man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a man who's also got a family and kids. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm your dad now. <laughs> but he's never had a dad until now. <laughs> You're not going to make me fight other people to the death, are you, Donald? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, next character is Captain Gray Edwards, voiced by Alec Baldwin. Yes, love Alec Baldwin. You know, knowing from Thirty Rock, being Donald Trump on Saturday Night Live, and maybe he punched you in the face a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Um, yep. Then there's <laughs> yeah. Whitaker, who they 
never call him by name in the movie. They just call him Sarge. And yes. he's voiced by Vin Rames. From um, only thing I know him from is Mission Impossible. Do you know him from anything else? Um, yes, oh, uh, Vin Rames. He was in uh, the Quentin Tarantino film. Um, oh, it's going to really bug me. <laughs> <laughs> the one with John Travolta and everyone. Um, oh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yes, uh, okay. he plays the guy who um, <laughs> who has. Uh, have you seen Pulp Fiction? I have not. <laughs> oh, well, I was about to, I was about to say something a big spoiler then. Yeah, he's in Pulp Fiction. Let's just say that <laughs> he's in the uh, Bruce Willis timeline bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, he is amazing in that film. Um, yeah, uh, he was in that. He was yeah. great, great actor. All I knew him from is Mission Impossible, and um, I've only seen. I think I've seen from three on, and um, I don't know what his role is on the team. I just know he's the guy that wears hats, <laughs> and he's always concerned about. Uh, I forgot what Tom Cruise's character's name is. Ethan Hunt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah, he's always concerned about him, but th- that's all I know. I don't know what he's actually supposed to be doing for the team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's in Con. He's in Con Air as well. He is. I yeah. just watched Con Air. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should recognize him. He was also I, in a Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> huh. it's, it's funny that uh, he's in Con Air because the next character is uh, Neil Fleming, who is Steve Buscemi, who was also in Con Air. So. Yeah, all, all these actors, you know, they just pull together and just do the same jobs. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really like Steve Buscemi. I thought he was quite good in this. But again, yeah. it's like you say, like they never actually mention the characters' names. So in all of my notes, I've just written down Buscemi whenever, <laughs> whenever he says something. Yeah, and he's he, he's probably the easiest voice to pick out because it just sounds like him. <laughs> yeah, he's got such a unique voice anyway. Mm-hmm. And he is kind of like the comic relief in here. So everything he says is supposed to be a joke. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, next character is, uh, I did not recognize the actress. Um, it's Jane Proudfoot, voiced by Perry Gilpin. Yes, who is Roz from Frasier, a series I know and love and I've seen many, many times. <laughs> and I have never seen. <laughs> yes, but hopefully they won't bring it back. <laughs> it's dead, it's done, it's good. Leave it as it is. <laughs> Don't bring things back. No, if it's um, dead, leave it. Yeah. Did you like um, Arrested Development? Uh, I haven't seen much of it, to be honest oh, with you. It was okay. one of those things where I've watched I've watched probably the first two or three episodes three or four times and thought it was very funny, but then just never got around to watching it. <laughs> I've seen the first three seasons, uh, like the original run of it, probably five times. And I watched the first Netflix season, and it was awful. And I've been trying to get through the newest one. And I just, it's not working. It's really weird because I don't know how much time is supposed to have passed, but everyone's noticeably like 15 years older. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's not addressed. Like Michael Sarah looks like he's like 45. Um, He probably is 45 now, isn't he? I don't think he is, but he looks it. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably hard. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. All right. So uh, last one I have written down is General Hine, voiced by James Woods. Yes. Good old James Woods. Plays plays a bad guy very well. Yes. You've probably heard him voice himself and like I think he did it on Family Guy and The Simpsons. Uh definitely on Family Guy. I don't know if I've caught the Simpsons episode, but yeah, he often comes back as a recurring bad guy in Family Guy. So I think we covered everything we covered last time. And now we can actually get into the next part of the podcast where I give you what my prediction was before watching it, and then we can go do a recap. So, okay. 
Yeah. So you mentioned people were disappointed that it wasn't really much of a Final Fantasy movie. I think you can tell, like, that's what I was thinking, too, by this prediction. Um, <laughs> so I wrote, a spirit tree is dying. Therefore, the world is dying. Maybe due to technology? <laughs> Only thing that can save everyone is cool hair and big swords. Save the tree, save the world. So, I think you've just described the plot to Final Fantasy IX. <laughs> oh, and seven. Yeah, so I haven't played like any Final Fantasy games, but I played enough like JRPGs to know that there's usually like some kind of spirit tree, uh, and this had spirit in the title. So I'm like, there's got to be like some tree alive or something like that, which there kind of was. There's Gaia, who's like Mother Earth. So, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I was pretty close, but yeah. I definitely expected there to be like swords and spiky hair and, you know, just like typical Japanese imagery, like from, well, I, <laughs> I don't know if that's like, I'm imagining now like historical, like artworks just looking like JRPGs, but. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to retcon all, all historical artworks yes. that look like sprites <laughs> from 16th era. <laughs> Uh, coming for you Battle of Hastings <laughs> tapestry yeah, I, I definitely expected this to be more Final Fantasy and uh, it was more like normal which makes me think of like one of the early episodes of your podcast where you and um, Rich were talking about anime style RPG oh yeah anime versus, versus like, realistic realistic yeah. yeah so yeah I was expecting the anime style and this was actually like very realistic looking other than their thumbs <laughs> other than the thumbs it's kind of one of the things that um uh, Square and Final Fantasy have always done is be innovative with their uh, with the series, and it's kind of the reason why fans like it so much. Because obviously, uh, you, like I say, you haven't played much of the series, um, and the games aren't like linked in any sort of way other than certain like themes and elements they put into them. Mm-hmm. But they always completely mix and change the games up. And it was kind of with Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy X they did go very realistic like for the time and the way computer games were made they were very realistic looking games Do you know like the character models uh-huh. they kind of went a bit more back to the roots of the series with nine where they they like uh, they went back to like you know funky looking characters like quinn or quinn um who looks like a weird sort of cow moose thing <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah in final fantasy 8 like all the characters look very realistic uh and in final fantasy 10 as well they, they're wearing ridiculous clothing but they look very realistic and human and so yeah like i said at the time this was just them trying to show off what they can do with uh technology and like i say a lot of it techniques and stuff still being used in films like avatar yeah and i mean it still looks really good like you can tell um like the textures could probably be better done now, but at the time I'm sure they were like maxing out what computers could do. So yeah, I say one of the first notes I put on that opening scene is wow. <laughs> <laughs> it just looks so, so good. So opening scene, um, I believe that was when they're like on the alien world. It's part of uh, Aki's having a dream. Yep. She has yep. a dream sequence. I put a note here saying she needs some sunglasses. <laughs> she's always she's like pretty much the whole time she's trying to cover her eyes yeah um, i did note as well that um so yeah you have the opening sequence where it's just kind of like she treads on something and you get that weird effect coming out from the floor all looks absolutely gorgeous and beautiful uh but yeah not really much happens in that part of the dream sequence she just sort of steps on something there's this weird scene that happens and then the sun comes out and then she wakes up yeah this is what i have written for that i have opens in a desert 
pretty man or woman <laughs> apocalypse mole tiny people bones question mark was dream <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was a dream i think we mentioned it this time when this movie came out aki ended up on maxim's top 100 as uh like number 87 Yep. Which I just thought it's funny because at the beginning I was like, I'm not positive if this is a man or like a pretty man or is this a woman? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, that's, they haven't gone down the usual JRPG route of giving her like triple E boobs. <laughs> yeah, it's like she looks very like normal and like it, it's weird that on the cover of Maxim she's in a bikini because she's not like sexualized at all. And this, she's just wearing like some kind of suit. I don't really remember, like a space suit. This is the first time I've watched it where I thought, you know what, she kind of looks like, is it Kirsten Stewart from the Twilight films? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Kristen Stewart. I, can't, I don't know what her name Yeah, is. I think it's Kristen. But yeah, that, that girl there, I kind of thought, oh, do you know what, she actually looks a bit like her. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> you know, and I think, Chris, I think she would have been about five or six years old when this was made. So. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> the gooch! Looking into the future. <laughs> What generic people will, will, will they like in the future? <laughs> um, but yeah, I did also note that it was set in the year 2065. Yes. So that's 34 years from now. <laughs> yeah, you. this was weird to me that she recorded her dream. When it pops back to the like the real world, the screen shows dream recorded December 13, 2065. And I'm like, I don't know how she's recording dreams. I don't think they ever really addressed that. But it's the future, so sure. It's the future, yeah. We can record James. Why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it becomes a big plot point later on. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's in space. So that's yep. a thing. On the Star Trek Voyager, by the looks of it to me. Again, <laughs> <laughs> okay. that's one of the things I've also put on here. But first of all, they've got no iPhones. So <laughs> the future's wrong already. Yeah. Uh, and I've also put that it's set on Earth. Yeah, which is surprising to me because I did not expect something Final Fantasy to be set on Earth. That was the first when I went to see this in the cinema. That was the first thing me and my two mates I went with were like, "What? You can't, you can't have a Final Fantasy thing on Earth." <laughs> yeah, and then so the next scene, well, she re- re-enters like Earth's atmosphere and lands in New York City, New, 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 New York City. Which again, I was like, "This is Japanese." I'm really surprised they're in New York, and it says old New York City. Yeah, mm. the uh, the Gooch had a big thing for New York City. He um, he designed uh, the city in. Um, Final Fantasy 7 he really uh, he used all, all of his inspiration for that city was places in New York he'd been to hmm. and that's the reason why the game Parasite Eve was set in New York as well because he wanted uh, he just wanted to make a game in New York he loves New York for some reason <laughs> <laughs> so she lands in New- old New York City and um, she puts on like this eye thing and like a glove and she's like where are you so she's searching for something what and she, yeah. she keeps setting off flares doesn't she that go ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, really annoying noise as these flares go off and so uh yeah it shows like a wider shot of the city and it's like all destroyed but there's like a perfectly preserved pepsi billboard <laughs> i didn't notice that <laughs> really <laughs> it's in there it's the only product placement i saw in this movie so like it really stood out <laughs> <laughs> Oh, awesome. I'm going to have to look out for that next time. Yeah, I'll put it on the thumbnail. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, she, she's been very reckless, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she's shooting out the flares, you see like monsters start appearing, but they're like kind of like translucent. You can see through them. And um, yeah, then a ship flies overhead and it's like 
a group of military people who are trying to rescue her from the danger she put herself in. Yes, that's that's where I've put here that she's been very reckless mm-hmm. <laughs> and that she's got no real plan in what she's doing or what she's looking for. <laughs> yeah. So what is she looking for? She's looking for these things called spirits. And apparently she's looking for eight of them. She's already got a couple. Uh, I can't wish. Do you remember, did you make a note of which one this was? Uh, yes, it was number six. Okay, yeah, so she's looking for these spirits. Uh, there's eight of them, I think, and this is number six that she finds at the beginning of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a little plant that's growing out of the ground. Yeah, Steve Buscemi's <laughs> character is like, so we're risking our life for this weed? Or like someone <laughs> says that, and then he's like, I wouldn't even call it a weed. <laughs> yeah, I've put in here, she really wants weed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's risking everyone's life for weed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've also put in here a note that the... Um, uh, the guy who we don't know who he is yet, but it's the it's the the, the head of this like military police force. Uh, when he holds her arm and tells her that she's got to come with him, and she's like no, and then she runs off. I've put in here that he's like the worst policeman ever because <laughs> he just, he just lets her runs off without any sort of with any without any authority whatsoever. And then, yeah, Buscemi makes his joke about the weed, um, mm. and then as soon as he says that, they get attacked by more monsters. Uh, and then somebody says, "All right, everybody relax." <laughs> it's very. Really, no matter how many times I've seen this, I've still got no. In this beginning scene, I've still got no idea which character is talking at which point. Yeah, I had no clue. And then I, I originally had written down like four guys come to rescue her, and then I wrote down one guy's a gal, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, um, they they do rescue her um, and the weed. <laughs> yep. and uh, the captain almost dies but then he doesn't like i don't remember yeah. exactly what happens like i feel like they're having to climb out of like a pit of some sort yeah they're trying to climb out of this like um uh, decrepit house that they've ended up in um and they've got like these weird like um mon- these weird ghost monsters chasing them from below and he's trying to get up and he jumps as it's crumbling and he grabs his team members hands and there's this big sort of like really jarring bit of like saved music it's it's really jarring where it just suddenly sort of comes into your ears um and then yeah then they're all saved and then they're all on this ship and then uh the uh the the chief like the big uh the captain of these like police force starts having a go at aki at this point and then that's when we that's when we have the big reveal that it's alec baldwin yeah Or gray, gray, <laughs> as Aki says. So uh, then they go to Barrier City, number forty-two, New York. Yes. So there's at least forty-two cities that have survived the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love how in science fiction they just number things. Can't bother <laughs> to give it a name, but I mean, uh, I, I guess if there's like an apocalypse happening, I kind of feel if there was an apocalypse happening and uh, new part of New York was like a big city, I feel like you just call it barrier city new york you wouldn't call it number 42 new york city <laughs> come on down <laughs> well i mean i guess like when they say new york it's the state so i mean maybe there's other barrier cities in new york maybe there's 42 barrier cities in new york <gasps> that's a very good point i never thought I of that. yeah so the captain from his near-death experience got like infected with pathogens from the like they call them phantoms the ghost like monsters mm-hmm. um so aki has to like kill him using a laser and i feel i feel it's worth noting before this bit that uh-huh. they're all getting scanned and yeah. uh, bushimi's very worried about his balls 
<laughs> I don't remember that. I remember them getting scared, but I don't remember him mentioning his balls. <laughs> yeah. He's like, do we have to go through these things? So here they cause infertility. And then like, Ross' character just sort of slaps him on the back of the head. It's like, you don't need those. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, he's there for comic relief. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, the captain is very, very screwed because apparently one of these phantoms has planted itself inside. Um, so while she's like doing the treatment with the laser. Yeah, which I've described uh, as Candy Crush of the future. <laughs> <laughs> like I, at the time, I thought it was a hologram. Like he's just, his body's laying down motionless, but above his body, there's a hologram ghost. I'm assuming it's a spirit, but it's like withering in pain. And I was just curious. I don't know if any of them can actually see that, or maybe Aki can. I think they could all see it. I think that's kind of a projection of him, but I don't think it's supposed to be his spirit. I think that is supposed to be just his, like, his body, but okay. scan projection of her using the laser. I was thinking maybe the pathogen was like attacking a spirit or something. That is, that is kind of what's happening. But yeah, but it's all part of the big computer game thing that she's playing that you can see him <laughs> in like a sort of like a 3D text box. <laughs> yeah. And the whole pathogen thing doesn't really make any sense to me because like how we see them, how we see people die later on. It yes. seems kind of weird that that's the two ways you can go. Yeah. But... <laughs> Either either you get slapped straight or you know a tiny bit gets inside you and then slowly takes over yeah <laughs> but yeah i like the fact that aki puts the entire um new york barrier city 42 at risk because <laughs> I, I assume once the timer runs out that he's just going to turn into like a ghost thing <laughs> and start mm-hmm. killing everyone <laughs> I, I kind of assume that's why there's such a big deal about this thing in the timer and yeah, yeah she puts the whole the whole city at risk by trying to beat candy crush saga in the <laughs> But I mean, it seems like they can pretty easily kill everyone. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, but she manages to do it with uh, 1.02 seconds left until everybody <laughs> dies. Yeah, I, I love how when things come down to like the last second. So I was kind of disappointed it wasn't just like the number one up there. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. normally it's just like, you know, 0.01 of a second left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, next note I have is the introduction of Dr. Sid. Do you have anything before that? Uh, no, just a couple of things about spirits, um, lots of politics, and then there's a big spirit dump <laughs> <laughs> as uh, Dr. Sid explains what's going on. Now, Dr. Sid is the pretty much the only Final Fantasy reference that we have here. Oh, so is he in Final Fantasy games? Uh, there is always a Doctor, uh, not always a Doctor, but there is always a Sid in Final Fantasy games. Huh. He's normally uh, an engineer or aircraft builder, but he does appear as various other roles as well throughout the games. Hmm. But yeah, generally, that's kind of one of the things that always is in a Final Fantasy games. So is this the most prestigious of Sids? Um... <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I think one of, one of the favourite Sids is the one from Final Fantasy VII. I think that's just because Seven's loved so much. But um, yeah. he is a pilot uh, and a space and an astronaut and a dragoon all at once. <laughs> so he's pretty he's pretty cool, and he smokes and swears throughout the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw Doctor Sid on the screen for the first time, I was like, okay, this guy's either going to die really quickly, or he's going to be evil. And um, <laughs> You were wrong on both counts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can't, you can't kill off a Sid. <laughs> so Aki and uh, Sid are talking to Anne. He like shows her a notebook of everything he knows. And then he like burns it, I think. Or he puts it in an incinerator or like a shredder or something. 
I think the best way to describe this is that Aki and Sid are like Scientologists. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> like, this whole thing reminds me of so much of Scientology. <laughs> yeah, so they, they believe in this crazy, crazy theory. Um, so, every, you know, you've got to imagine this is set on Earth. Everyone's kind of like us, but they've been through the apocalypse and they're trying to survive the aftermath of the apocalypse. And then uh, Dr. Sid and Aki are kind of... Um, they're they're looking into this thing called a wave theory. It all stems from Doctor Sid's belief that the planet has a spirit, which is called Gaia, <laughs> and that everybody returns to Gaia when they died. And yep. so, obviously, if they if all this stuff gets out, everyone's going to think they're nuts and crazy, and then just not believe their research. But the research <laughs> they're doing does seem to be having an effect. <laughs> which I think is the only reason why they're being allowed to continue. But yeah, it just, you feel like they are kind of the Scientologists of this world <laughs> with their crazy sort of religious theory. Yeah. And so uh, Dr. Sid encourages uh, Aki to like destroy, you know, notes that she has and stuff so that it doesn't yeah. come back to haunt her. Got, have you got any dreams about this stuff saved? Yeah. Them? Have you been recording, you know, your dream? <laughs> uh, like maybe get rid of those, but she does it and it does come back to haunt her. It so, does. Yeah. So, always listen to dr sid um so yeah i've put a big black mark here uh back to the dream <laughs> oh, okay yeah so we're at that dream yeah because yeah. all i've put here is there was a politics dump <laughs> <laughs> there was the whole like scene where i guess the whole like at least the u.s or maybe the world i don't know is like military now essentially since it's like such a small population or something i don't know is that the feel you got for it or yeah i kind of feel like there's some sort of i think it's it's kind of like explained a bit later on but they don't actually explain the like the politics behind it because they they're kind of they're campaigning to the um the council the council council <laughs> accident there. Uh, but yeah there's like the can there's like some council leaders and they're referred to as the council and yeah but they don't explain whether the you know whether it's democratic if they're voted in or if they've just taken over which is all we know is is that these people have built this ginormous cannon <laughs> uh to fire at the aliens and yeah. yeah they've they've i mean they must have invested a lot of money and resources and time building this huge cannon and they've decided not to really use it yeah do we know how long this invasion has been going on for at all oh i think they do mention it i think it's something like 10 years or something maybe oh, less wow. i don't think it's very long for some reason I, I was thinking it was like relatively quick like it had been like months i don't know why but I was just thinking, if it had only been months and they just built this giant space cannon during that time, that's like real impressive. Well, you know, it's 64. If, if Trump could make Mexicans build a wall. <laughs> <laughs> but he really didn't. Yeah. So anyway, so um, basically Dr. Sid and General Hine are arguing over if they should use the cannon or not. General Hine wants to use the cannon. And it's called the Zeus cannon. So, mm -hmm. And uh, Dr. Sid... That's Again, you know, they had a really good opportunity to make a Final Fantasy reference, but they went with Zeus, a Greek god reference. Zeus! Zeus! <laughs> what would have been the Final Fantasy reference? Uh, well, I, well, you know, if you've got a giant cannon that's going to release a huge beam from space, they could have called it like the Bahamut cannon or something, which is like a famous dragon from, dragon, uh, from uh, the Final Fantasy series. And all the dragon does in Final Fantasy is turn up in the sky and shoot huge beam, huge laser beams. <laughs> So, you know, that would kind of make sense. Or if they that called it the sense. Invincible 
which you know a lot of the airships in Final Fantasy have been called the Invincible over the years, or even Ragnarok. Like Ragnarok is such a cool name for a ship, and yeah. there have been ships called Ragnarok in Final <laughs> Fantasy. It's a recurring name in Final Fantasy, but no, they went with Zeus, which they've never ever used in a Final Fantasy before. <laughs> <laughs> even if they called it Ra- Ramu, which is the lightning god in Final Fantasy that always pops up, but no, they went with Zeus. Yeah, it definitely seems like this was not meant to be a Final Fantasy movie. <laughs> Nah, you just you just feel the only thing they've really done to make it Final Fantasy is slap it on the title and then name Dr. Sid, Dr. Sid. If he wasn't called Dr. Sid, it would just be like, oh, all they've done is slap the name on the title. That's probably an accident. They've done that for a few games in the past. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, there's... Um, <laughs> I'm plug my show here. Um, <laughs> we've just started um, the... Final Fantasy, uh, we've just started a game called Final Fantasy Legend on the Game Boy, which when it was actually released in Japan, it wasn't called Final Fantasy, it was called Saga, and it's the very first Saga game. Now, Saga is its own series, uh, but yeah, but the first three games, which were all Game Boy games, were when they were sent, like they, they sold, especially the first one, the first one sold really poorly in Japan. So when they released it in America, um, they released it with the Final Fantasy title and it sold like two million copies. <laughs> But it's actually not a Final Fantasy game. It's actually a saga game. Yeah, <laughs> did they release like any of those in the US after that? Were they called saga games or Final Fantasy? Or? Yes. Um, so, well, they did Final Fantasy Legend 1, 2, and 3 all on the Game Boy. Okay. And then I think they did some romancing saga games, which I don't think they made it to the US. But then there was uh, Saga Frontier on the PS1. And uh, Romancing Saga has now been released on the Switch and uh, the App Store. Okay. Uh, Romancy Saga 2 anyway. but yeah you know there's a couple uh, that's one of those series unfortunately some of them got uh, left behind never got released in English but other ones were later on well they stopped slapping Final Fantasy on stuff unless it was complete crap <laughs> <laughs> um, but also you know have you ever played Secret of Mana? Um, I played it a little bit I've never played the full game I didn't play it until like maybe like five years ago because that Secret of Mana I think is the second title in the Mana series and the first one uh, again, uh, was released as Final Fantasy Adventure in the West, but it was actually uh, Legend of Mana everywhere else. <laughs> you know, they they like to try and make Final Fantasy reference in everything square, but apparently not this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, Dr. Sid and um, uh, General Haim, um, and Haim is a Final Fantasy reference <laughs> from Final oh. Fantasy 3. Uh, he is a bad guy in Final Fantasy 3 I, I don't know why they squeezed that one in <laughs> uh, I think Final Fantasy 3 is actually really popular in um, Japan but it's not so big out here in the west <laughs> um, sorry, I've got so much brain dump of Final Fantasy <laughs> I'll, try, I'll try and reduce the amount that I know <laughs> yeah. so um, Sid and Hein are arguing and Sid uh, reveals his whole like Gaia thing Oh yeah, because this yeah. is where yeah this is where it's basically like you know he reveals to the world that he's a Scientologist that everyone laughs yeah, at basically. and then Aki stands up and it looks like she's about to like just flash everyone to say, like, <laughs> just let us do what we want uh, but she actually sort of pulls her shirt slightly to one side pushes a button near her boob and this big 3d image comes out of the fact that she is actually infected by a phantom <clears throat> but Sid uh, has been using these spirits that they've been collecting to create a little force field around it to stop it from taking over her body so, so they just, got they those just, six they just, spirits and that's enough to sort of protect her but apparently two more will protect everyone is what I've gotten. Yeah. So I think the idea is that she's currently protected, but it's only temporary because she's only got six of the eight spirits. Uh, But once they've got the eight spirits, the theory is that it will cancel out all the other spirits. If that makes sense. So you can use, but that's okay. (laughs) 
Now they did a weird thing, don't they, where they show two waves exactly the same, then it just moves around, they move on top of each other, then it just disappears. It's just like, oh. <laughs> I, I didn't oh. notice they were exactly the same. <laughs> it's just like, I know, but it's just like you've used computer graphics to display your point, but you've just, it's like you've just photoshopped it. <laughs> it's like photoshopping someone's head on like, you know, on a burglary scene and saying, look, it was definitely them. <laughs> uh, but yes, because Aki stands up and show demonstrates that actually, although everyone thinks um, Sid's some sort of crazy religious nut, uh, he's researching actually yeah, <laughs> Scientologist. <laughs> uh, although that's what everyone kind of thinks of him and they're all laughing at him, she actually proves that his research is working and having an effect. And so they decide to uh, postpone uh, firing the cannon. And then so we move on and uh, we're back into the dream state. This time we get treated to missiles. <laughs> so, yeah, in the first dream, she just sort of steps on that bug. You get the really cool ripple effect. And then you see a few aliens and there's like a big explosion. But then this time we see all these missiles go up into the air and then crash down. And it's like blowing up the planet. So she's sort of all we know really is that she's standing on a planet that's not Earth and it's being destroyed. That's kind of and what we get. It doesn't look like they're fighting each other, really. No, it's a bit weird. Um, yeah. They're kind of really... just running to her. Yeah, because they all suddenly just stop around her, whereas it looks like she's in the middle of what's about to be a huge battle, but they all just stop and stare at her. So uh, next scene, I believe, is when uh, Aki and Grey are talking, or at least Aki's like, maybe just woke up from that dream, and then Grey comes in and tells her yes. about the Zeus canning firing being delayed. Yes, uh, that's where um, she's working on getting her spaceship ready. Because it's yeah. just been because she's done that whole thing on the council, they've unimpounded her spaceship. Mm-hmm. I just want to say as well, I kind of agree with James Woods. <laughs> I would just blow that thing the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, let's fucking fire the cannon. <laughs> We've built this shit. It's big. It's powerful. It's yeah, why? Why do we build it if we're not going to use it? Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Don't listen to these crazy people. <laughs> just let's blow them the shit up. So you know, if I was in this world, that's what I'd be thinking. um but yeah um you get you kind of just get the feeling in this scene this is where they sort of they lay the groundwork that uh alex baldwin just really wants to have sex with aki yeah i have written aki and gray almost kiss but get interrupted by a bang yes not the kind of bang that they wanted so um because uh steve buscemi uh he's kind of forcing them in together because they're in some sort of weird lift thing aren't they and he um He's down at the bottom and he's fiddling with the control panel and makes it stop so that they're so that um, Gray and Aki are just stuck in the lift together. I, I don't remember that. Oh yeah, no, yeah, he's he's the one who forces this like moment to happen. <laughs> and like when they ask him what he's doing, he's just like, "I'm just giving the captain a hand." <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, I, this is where I've put a note here to mention the fact that uh, Aki was in the uh, top 100 sexy babes. <laughs> So um, also around this time, Gray is asking about the spirits and he wants to come with Aki to find the, um, the seventh one. And mm-hmm. she tells him about one oh, of the, the little girl. Spirits. Yeah, that was the seven-year-old girl that was dying. Yeah, this is, um, this is actually something that was kind of cut from the film. Yeah, I've read about that. Like uh, most of the film was actually supposed to be about this dying girl, apparently. Yeah, I think the idea was Aki was supposed to be saving this dying girl. She was this dying girl, which is just like 
a very small uh, plot point at this point. Uh, but yeah, it's like this is supposed to be the like they use it as like a harrowing story to try and give you a bit more feeling for the character. But there was obviously, you know, for the people who created the film, they obviously had a big connection to this little girl because she was supposed to be a part of the film. I think the opening was supposed to be this little girl. But yeah, yeah. the little girl basically says she's a, like uh, I think they've given. I think the little girl was like seven years old and she's being, she's suffering from the spirits being inside her or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, she's, the little girl says, hang on, I, I want to go back a second because I've put in my notes. They talk about collecting spirits like hippies in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, wave one was the little girl. So the little girl was the first spirit that Aki found. And the little girl died so Aki could live basically. <laughs> <laughs> But the little girl in a really sort of uh, horrible way. So Aki explains Scientology to the little girl. And the little girl says, oh, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm ready to die. <laughs> and so from this story, Alex Baldwin basically tells Aki, uh, I don't believe you. You're a crazy bitch. But you're so good on my top of it. And then, uh, yeah, this is where I put, uh, here's how my penis can solve all your issues. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go to kiss and then we get the bump. <laughs> But yes, uh, I think I, I've stolen that joke from Family Guy. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how they described every episode of Ally McBill. <laughs> so they nearly kiss and then the uh, lift starts working again. Uh, we're treated to Grey um, and General Hine having an interview. Yeah, and basically how that goes down is the general asks uh, Captain Grey to monitor Dr. Aki for a- abnormalities. And uh, then behind his back, like as soon as Grey leaves... He uh, instructs a major to like get people to keep an eye on Gray. It seems unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, it doesn't seem necessary. He sent Gray to keep an eye on Aki, and then he's asked people to keep an eye on Gray. Yeah, so I mean, if he just doesn't trust Gray, why not just get the other people to keep an eye on Aki? Yeah, why? Why like put Gray on red alert? Like, why even uh, bring him into it? I have noted here as well that apparently Gray's uh, team are called the Deep Eyes. The what? Deep Eyes. Deep Eyes. Okay, yeah, I've seen this film dozens of times, and this is the <laughs> first time I've noticed it. They only ever mentioned Deep Eyes twice. This was one point. The first time you uh, said it, I thought you said deep pies oh deep pies that's cockney rhyming slang <laughs> <laughs> um so next to have that aki has the dream again but i think we may have just got that out of order i'm not sure no no this year she has the dream again uh, but this is where we see more of the aliens sort of fighting and then we get a bit more of the planet exploding they just every time the dream happens like the bits that you've seen are a little bit shorter and then they just put a bit on the end Mm-hmm. so yeah the first bit of dream was just you know she's on the planet and then she sees a bright light in the distance the second dream she's on the planet she sees the missiles go up and then the third one is she's on the planet all the aliens rush and then you see a bright light but on this one this is the one where <laughs> she really looks like the twilight girl <laughs> the moment where i really sort of there was a big close-up on her it's like god she really looks like the girl from twilight <laughs> um, but this is the one where she sort of puts her hands across her chest and then falls backwards through the ground. Really cool bit of animation, but then she wakes up. Really cool animation, except for those thumbs. They just really yes. take you out of it. <laughs> yeah, those thumbs. Yeah, there's a big close-up on those thumbs at that point as well. So Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then we go uh, hunting huge phantoms. Um, so these phantoms, are any of the monsters like reminiscent of Final Fantasy creatures or did they no. just do like all original <laughs> crap? <laughs> not, not really. Um, the 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 really long the the really long thing kind of reminds me of an enemy in a, in a fantasy star game. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, vaguely a dragon, maybe. Yeah, um, it doesn't particularly look like anything I've seen from a Final Fantasy game. 
Mm-hmm. Even like the space aliens don't particularly look like anything I've seen from a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, I just kind of figured like that would be a really easy way to like make a connection to Final Fantasy, but I guess not. No, yeah, I, I kind of assumed the same thing. I thought, you know, you could have because they're quite big monsters that are running about. I thought like you could have had uh, Iron Giants, which are quite a famous thing in the series, or or even some of the summons. Like mm-hmm. some of them are very animal-like. You could have had them running around, but no, nothing. Yeah. But yeah, so the team's on the hunt for the seventh spirit, and they've they've you know they've got a location of something which is out near the alien crater. And I yeah. also think this is probably one of the first points where they mention the fact that the actual aliens crash landed on the planet in a big meteor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> so you're kind of like, what? There's, there's, a, there's a, yeah. To me, it makes sense because I've watched the film so many times. But uh, how did you sort of react to that? I, I think that's when I was like, yeah, this is definitely Scientology because it's, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly, as far as I know from South Park, that's exactly what Scientology is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is exactly what it is. Spirits crash land on the earth. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder whether Sakaguchi is a... Whether the Gooch! Maybe a Scientologist. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to look this up. Look that up, yeah. yeah. But this is yeah. This is really this is beginning to fo- follow uh, L. Ron Hubbard's uh, story quite closely. Mm-hmm. But again, I only know all that stuff from South Park, so I could be completely wrong. Please yeah. don't come after me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am in Florida, which is the like headquarters of Scientology. So, ah, uh, yeah, where uh, where I work, there's um, I'm probably about 10, 15 minutes away from the Scientology headquarters in London, Europe. Oh wow, there's loads of them over there. Huh. I've only been by like one Scientology location, and that was actually in New York City. New, 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 New York City. So, uh, did they ask you for a stress test? No, but it was right next to a pizza place. So ah. I feel like that was on purpose. They're like trying to trap people that are just hungry. Hey, you hungry and stressed? What a stress <laughs> test? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've been asked a few times in a stress test. It was, it was where my it was kind of up the road from where. Uh, my wife used to work many years ago, so when I used to meet her for lunch, I always ended up used to walk past it. <laughs> hey, you've got a tie. You must be stressed. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm all right. <laughs> I haven't got any money to give you. <laughs> now, there's a bit here, a bit here, Tyler. It's very important. Did you note about the bird? The bird, yes. Oh, you did, right. What did you note about the bird? Well, I actually didn't write anything down, but I do remember the bird. The bird's just kind of out there flying, and they're like, is that the spirit? And she's like, nope. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, that's the only thing alive out here. So, um, yeah, this is this because that's where she gives the line. Um, it's just waiting for life to return. And it's just like, what? <laughs> yeah. Are you mental? Like, this is right next to the alien crater. And these spirits, yeah, if they touch anything living, it sucks their soul away. Like, <laughs> that's how this works. If they touch something that's living, it dies immediately. And this is a wasteland. There is nothing. What the hell is this really, really healthy looking eagle eating? <laughs> <laughs> and where is it living? And where is it waiting? Like it's got yeah. nothing to eat. It can't be waiting for, you know, oh, just, you know, it's been 20 years. I'm sure I'm, <laughs> I'm sure if a vole's going to appear out at some point for me to eat. <laughs> it's just like, it's ridiculous. You mentioned that they die instantly if they touch them. And that bothers me so much because somehow Aki's like infected and, you know, she didn't die instantly, but she's somehow infected with them and they don't yeah. explain that. And it doesn't well, there seems to be There seems to be a twofold thing here. If it touches you, you die instantly. But if you're kind of near them and you get exposed to the pathogens, then they slowly grow inside you and take out. Okay. I, I assume it's something like, 
this is going to sound really silly. Uh, I assume it's almost like if you're breathing in the microorganisms, phantoms from the other planet, <laughs> it's like giving you lung cancer, mm-hmm. which is horrible. But it's kind of that's the only way I can imagine it working, especially with that whole scene with Gray at the beginning where he's infected and then Aki uses the lasers to like cut it out. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's the only thing I can imagine. It must be like some sort of microorganisms in the air that are actually <laughs> phantoms if they suck them in. And that's that must be why they're wearing those big helmets. Oh, yeah, that, that explains why they've got those big helmets, the deep eyes. Yeah. Because they're out and they're exposed and they're trying not to let themselves be exposed to the pathogens. Whereas Aki doesn't care because she's already infected. That makes sense. Ah, oh, oh. oh, there you go. That's just a huge plot point. <laughs> this just <laughs> suddenly clicked together in my head. After all these years, thought, why are they wearing these stupid masks? <laughs> Must <laughs> be easy. Cool. Yeah. But yeah, the bear's important. So the bird is the only thing alive, but it's not the spirit. And they're surrounded by dead soldiers. So what could the spirit be? It's one of the backpacks. <laughs> yeah, because it's made out of biomass. It's the, it's the spirit backpack. <laughs> uh, yes. So their weapon, all their weapons and stuff are powered by the... Um, by technology that Dr. Sid's created uh, to counteract the spirits. That's how I understand it. So one of the backpacks of this battle that took place when the aliens first arrived has, for some reason, although it was made in a factory, has now turned into the seventh spirit. And so she picks it up, uh, huge, huge uh, phantoms, then immediately start coming over and fucking shit up, and they have to get out. This is where we get all the uh, the double crosses. Yeah, so uh, back to the pack. I guess they don't explain what it's made out of, but I was just imagining gasoline, petrol, you know, it's like oil, something, you know, that's made from dead things because they said it's like biomass. So I'm like, somehow this dead thing still has a spirit. Like, just imagine if you went to, like, fill up your car and there's spirits in there. (laughs) Yeah, dinosaur spirits. Yep, it runs on, (laughs) cars run on dinosaur souls. I don't think you'd be far off, actually. I think it's something along those lines. Yeah, it's yeah. some sort of biomass that Sid's engineered to make lasers that kill phantoms. Fighting ghosts with dinosaurs. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're using dinosaurs to kill ghosts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be a really good movie, maybe. <laughs> Ghostosaurus. Yeah. I'm just imagining Ghostbusters. But instead of all the technology they come up with, they just have dinosaurs. Yeah, <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> yeah, a T Rex eating Slimer. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to um, they're trying to escape from the wasteland with the Seventh Spirit, and this is where it all goes crazy. So Aki has like a little sort of like asthma attack. The guy who he's like nameless person uh, tells Gray that he should take Aki into custody as per Haim's instructions. Gray's kind of preoccupied with the fact that they're all about to die from these massive phantoms trying to kill him. And the fact that Aki has just sort of passed out. Uh, he's telling the bloke to just basically do one. And so the bloke pulls a gun out on him. So we're kind of getting the whole double cross thing that was set up just before this scene started. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they're all um, <laughs> they're all having a bit of a Mexican standoff in the back of the uh, ship. Yeah, well, like and giant Steve, phantoms are just like flying yeah, around Steve, them. Steve Buscemi is like flying the spaceship through the rib cage to, <laughs> to not touch it. But then as they sort of come out the end of it, the towel whips through and only kills the bad guy holding the gun. <laughs> really good. good pilot. 
He yeah, couldn't he see when he aimed it. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't see anyone in the back. He didn't know where anyone was standing, but he just managed to get that phantom tail just to whip through the spaceship and kill the guy. Um, <clears throat> therefore, leaving no evidence of anything to General Heim that <laughs> can use <laughs> tangible. So, yeah, in the middle of the action scene, we suddenly flick to Aki going back through the dream sequence. But on this occasion, the planet blows up. And that's the one where you see the meteor flying through space with the uh, phantoms crawling all over it. So that's where it's finally revealed that they are space aliens. They were from another planet which blew up and they're like this tiny, like this big chunk of the planet covered in spirit animals has <laughs> flown yeah. across space and hit Earth. Maybe their guy is there. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, I forgot, I've got to mention as well, the guy who died, who we said was killed by uh, Steve Buscemi's awesome bad flying, <laughs> uh, he actually shot Aki when she wakes up out of a dream. Oh yeah, she gets shot like in the chest or stomach or something. I think she gets shot in chest, but it's kind of because that's where they've got the casing oh, for the yeah, spirit that's right. thing that stopped her from dying. But yeah, so Aki sort of wakes up and goes, <gasps> out of a dream sequence, and the guy just goes, Ooh, and shoots her. And then Steve Buscemi kills him with a phantom. <laughs> um, also, at some point, I don't really remember how, but they learn that the phantoms are attracted to Aki. I don't... Yeah, that's don't really my... Know. That is my next note as well. <laughs> so it must have been how they realize that? Because like I just have that they do. <laughs> I think some someone mentions it because I've also got here the second deep eyes reference. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they mentioned deep pies again, <laughs> and then yeah, someone mentions the fact that the phantoms were. I think they're just like having a, a dress down of what happened. Mm-hmm. I think they mention, oh well, the phantoms are obviously attracted to Aki, and then Heim takes over. I've written. My next note. Uh, General Hine wants Aki and Gray taken into custody. And yeah, so basically they get thrown into prison at that point. Mm. Yeah, I've put here that General Hine has James Wood syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) He just goes crazy and takes over. (laughs) So they haven't gone to prison quite yet because uh, Dr. Sid finds some way to somehow put Captain Gray into Aki's dream. So he gets to see the whole planet destroying, asteroid flying at Earth thing uh yes uh because i've put uh, baldwin the spirit guide <laughs> <laughs> he becomes her native american and guides her for her spirit dream um, oh, and yeah i also there's a shot here where they look at them where they show the moon and it just looks amazing just really beautiful scene mm-hmm. they put. Uh, but yeah he goes through the full dream sequence with her and sees the planet explode and so that's where we now because we've watched aki's dream several times while she silently walked through it and she's now explaining it to him which is then in turn explaining it to us. They were on their planet. They messed it up, destroyed their planet. And, you know, that's why they're not bad, but they're just attracted to our spirits because it's all they can see sort of thing. So then they come out of that and get arrested. Uh, <laughs> it's no it's kind of funny. Thing. I have, um, they get arrested, they escape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. There is a... Um, there is the funny scene as well where um, there's a Sp- Steve Buscemi's character, uh, whose name I can't remember. Uh, he's the guy who, uh, he's like the technology expert. Like I said, he was the one who stopped the lift from going up mm-hmm. and down when Aki and Gray were in it. And so they're all trapped in this prison and um, they were going to him, come on, you can get us out of this. And he's just like, the walls are made out of titanium and these lasers are like, these laser beams in front of us are like really blah, 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 blah. And he goes, you know, it would take a miracle for me to get us out of here. And he stands up and then the whole thing shuts down. <laughs> and they escape so the reason they escape is because um, Woods 
go, uh, General Heim goes absolutely batshit crazy. And he thinks if he lets phantoms into New York City, number 42. Old New York City. <laughs> old New York City, number 42. <laughs> he thinks if he lets phantoms in uh, and attacks part of the city. So he drops the barrier, <laughs> letting phantoms in, thinking that will prompt the council to give him permission to use the Zeus cannon. So he's kind of, you know, cutting off his nose to spite his face. Yeah. <laughs> And so this uh, is when things start to go downhill for all of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially, well, definitely for New York 42. Yeah. <laughs> what James Woods doesn't realize is that uh, he, because do, he doesn't think these things are ghosts. He thinks they're some sort of living creature. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they get into the barrier, although he's like tried to contain them within a certain part of the city, uh, they go through the, like the power system and the power supply to get through to the next part of the city. Mm-hmm. And I've put here that he goes, but no living creature could survive in there. You know, they're basically like crawling through the um, the guttering. <laughs> I put a note that he says no living creature could survive in there, which really sort of drives home to the audience that they're That's not living right. creatures. If it wasn't, <laughs> like, you know, the fact that they refer to them as phantoms, <laughs> they're alien space ghosts. Yeah, I, I thought I think it's funny <laughs> that they find it surprising that they're ghosts when they've been calling them phantoms the entire time. They're like they act just like goddamn ghosts. Yeah. But they're obviously alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so because of the fact they then get into New York City, they fuck sh- they fuck shit up, and that's what causes the power outage, which then releases the guys from prison. But yeah, you get a lot of plot dump in the uh, prison as well, where Aki explains to everyone what's going on. Mm-hmm. And again, they're all just like, yeah, your theory makes sense, but I still think it's crazy. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but it makes sense. And it's just like you're sitting at home thinking, it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after they escape, I don't really know why they get divided, but for some reason, Gray and Aki are like running around and there's phantoms popping up. And Oh, yeah, because they're running down a bridge and the phantom pops up in the middle of the group. So the Gray and Aki have to go back and find another way around. Oh, okay. I, I missed that part. I, I was just like, uh, for some reason, they're on their own running separately. And then everybody else. Yeah, well, this is, up this and is the big action scene. Hog from Halo. <laughs> yes, I put Hog from Halo. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, this, this is just a big action scene. So there's a lot going on. But yeah, the party gets split up and then they end up all getting in the warthog in order to... Um, <laughs> in order to get out and rescue themselves. But um, one of the things that they do do is, do you remember the scene where, is it now or is it in a bit? Hang on, let me check my way. Um, oh no, it's, it's, in, it's in a little bit. All right, carry on. <laughs> All right. Uh, there's just like random humans. Like, they're just showing like shots of the city with people having phantoms running through them and losing their spirits and being sad about it. Yeah, uh-huh. oh, there's a really cool scene where um, there's like a space, there's like a big, sh- big su- uh, shuttle ship going up towards the barrier, and then one of those big long aliens swipes through like the cockpit, and then the whole thing just sort of turns around and slowly crashes down into like a big huge yeah. chunk of people on below. So yeah, they're really trying to show the harrowing moment as New York City gets or New York City 42 gets destroyed. <laughs> Yeah, so then they realize that they need to get Aki's ship so they can, I guess, go find the Eighth Spirit and try and stop this. So yeah, on the way to go do that, Sarge, do you remember which one's Sarge? (laughs) Uh, Yes, so that's, um, Um, yeah, yeah, I I know Sarge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, who's he voiced by? Uh, That guy. Uh, guy. Pin Reigns. Yep, yep, that guy. (laughs) Yeah, so he gets injured and he asks everyone to go on without him. But yeah. So yeah, like leaving with a gun, I think. I, I, I think this scene's really funny. 
<laughs> I know it's not meant to be, but it is. But it's just like Sarge, who hasn't really had much to do in this whole thing so far. He's suddenly like, you know, he's injured. He's in the warthog and he's pinned down. Mm-hmm. And um, Sid starts trying to give him like medical attention. And Gray just basically, whatever he says, just says, yep, you can have it. <laughs> so like the first thing he goes like no drugs and then Gray's like don't give him any drugs and then he's like give me a gun and he goes give him a gun <laughs> he's just like, he just repeats it and so I have to put down here Baldwin give me a million dollars okay <laughs> at this moment Gray's going to give you anything <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, and then yeah so they give him a gun then they just leave him and there's like there's no sadness about it either they all just walk off and just like yeah he'll <laughs> be okay he's got a gun so, yeah, he's got a gun. He's pinned down in this warthog. He's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so they just leave him for dead and no one gives a fuck. But he's not dead yet. <laughs> He'll be back to die yep. a little bit. <laughs> yep, everyone comes back to die eventually. <laughs> so um, then Steve Buscemi's character has to do some electrical work to get the uh, ship freed. Yeah, I've put, uh, I've put on here, right? Uh, because the, the, they get to the ship and the fuel cells are spent. Now this, this is pure Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens in pretty much 99% of most RPGs if I'm if if I'm being honest. This is a fetch quest. <laughs> so, you've arrived at your destination to find that something is missing for you to get to your next destination. So, you have to go and find the item, bring it back, put it in, get it working and then go onwards. Mm-hmm. So, this is kind of this is a, a in a roundabout way a Final Fantasy reference. <laughs> Although really it's just a plot point to kill people off. Yeah. <laughs> so the the woman, I can't remember her name. Uh, uh, Jane. Rob, Jane, yeah. Uh, yeah. Roz. <laughs> Roz runs off to uh, find this, the fuel cells, which she finds and comes back with them. Uh, Steve Buscemi, he's working hard at getting uh, doing the electrical work. He then finds that there's... Um, no, he's trying to pilot the plane, but finds that it's uh, there's a clamp holding it in place. And so he leaves the plane to try and release the clamp. Mm-hmm. And as we all know from every single movie ever made, this basically means the death of uh, Roz and <laughs> Steve Buscemi. Oh, you mean um, Jane? Yeah, Jane, sorry. Yeah, I keep going to Roz because she's Roz from Frasier. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Jane, yeah, Jane and Buscemi, <clears throat> they leave the ship to go release this clamp. He does manage to release the clamp, but um, yeah, in the process, they get attacked by phantoms and she holds them off for as long as she can. He releases the clamp. They think, yeah, success. Then a phantom goes through his chest. She gets really pissed off and then she just lets herself die. Yep. And then um, <laughs> Sarge is like often in the distance, like fighting the same ones basically because yeah, um, so. he's trying to like draw their attention to him so that um aki and gray can yes, actually because there's a huge a huge one so there's two things here first of all we get um there's a huge so there's a huge huge phantom suddenly comes through the ground and starts going towards the ship uh it's a big slow chunking thing so yeah sarge he's got his gun he starts firing at it and um and then I think he gets the gun off the back of the warthog. Yeah, and he yells, over here, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and he starts blasting away at this thing. So it slowly turns around and starts walking over to him. And then at this point, now this is the most expensive scene in the entire movie. Do you remember where Gray gets his gun? He's in like a control tower office mm-hmm. thing. And he shoots the window and then jumps through the window. Yeah. 
yeah they used like the cgi techniques they used to do the window break and the glass falling like they calculated every single bit of glass and where it was going to fall and land to make that scene look as realistic as possible and that was the most expensive scene in the entire movie was him jumping through that window wow. which is normally a cheap part of a movie because they just make the window out of sugar glass and they just run through it mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah in this film it was super super expensive <laughs> uh, and then i put guns don't kill people phantoms do <laughs> so yeah uh, unfortunately yeah this big thing walks over to sarge um giving gray the opportunity to get onto the ship and then sid uh, <clears throat> uh sid aki and gray all escape yep and then you hear some well sounds some what sounds well like, well yeah what like uh <laughs> Like in the background, yeah. I don't know if this has happened yet or if it was, uh, or if it's after this, but uh, Aki actually points out that, like, the giant ones, she's like, maybe they're like our wells. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, I think think they did. I think they they talked about that in the prison. Yeah. So I just thought it was funny that you actually hear some well sounds in the background. (laughs) But where they go, they go to space. And so, you know, Alec Baldwin, uh, <laughs> I, so you keep calling him Gray and I keep calling him Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He uh, he basically turns around to Aki and he's just like, hey, all my mates are dead. Want to fuck? <laughs> <laughs> and they have, uh, they have gross space sex. Yeah. I have written <laughs> in space, colon. Uh, <laughs> Gray says, I just wish I could believe in a better place. And then uh, Gray and Ross, because for some reason I called her Ross there instead of Aki. <laughs> oh, her name is Aki Cry and zero G. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And yeah, and then the camera pans off suggestively. So uh, then I think the next scene shows General Hine, aka James Wood, like preparing to commit suicide. And then he just changes his mind. Yeah, there's like a flashing light in front of him. He holds yeah. the gun to his head, there's a flashing light. And then he's just like, and then I think this is where it pans out and he's like in space yeah or is this where he goes to space I can't remember nope he's in space because I've written also in space <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably going to use that laser <laughs> all I've got is woods in space <laughs> um, yeah so he basically decides alright uh, I don't know how yeah so we don't know how woods got to space nope. um, but he was thinking about committing suicide you know because obviously he destroyed an entire city for his stupidity uh, but he decides instead, actually, I'm on the Zeus cannon. I'm going to fire this fucker. <laughs> and so, yeah, he just goes, walks in. Um, he has a little chat with the council, who apparently all escaped to, I think, Boston, was it? Um, I, feel, like I, feel, I don't remember. I feel, like, yeah, I feel like it was Boston they said they were in, or some, somewhere like that, somewhere, somewhere semi-close to New York. Yeah. Um, and they go, uh, yeah, that was pretty bad, <laughs> what just happened. <laughs> and like, they've got no idea that Woods did it. Uh, he's just like, yeah, it's all Lackey's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah they give him permission to fire the zeus cannon so they send up the codes and so uh yeah he starts uh blasting away um he doesn't start blasting until um aki and gray get down there because yes. um yeah so it keeps like switching back and forth between those two or two sets of people in space we find out that the eighth spirit is a phantom spirit and it's inside yes. the crater and it's a one-way yes. mission. There's no way out. So they create... Um, now, obviously, Jurassic Park, uh, Lost World, whatever, uh, 
the most recent one <laughs> rip rip this off completely <laughs> uh, the little sp- the little ship they're in with the spinning shield <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah i did I, like, I completely forgot about that and then when i was watching it i was like eh, jurassic park ripped this off <laughs> really recent <laughs> i totally did but like, i didn't even think about it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so they they descend into the crater looking for this spirit and then they're getting really close to it and then that's when uh, so it's just aki and gray and sid's in the spaceship and they're kind of like tethered to it mm-hmm. in a weird way. Uh, and then yeah then uh, High, uh woods just just absolutely starts laying waste uh and it's not going very well firing the cannon into the crater it's just creating this weird like tree spirit to come out the ground and it's also it's coming up and digging down which obviously is messing stuff up for uh gray and aki and then they realize that he's uh he's actually destroyed the eighth spirit and then shit gets weird yeah so um <laughs> Sid patches Aki into the the Zeus cannon so she can talk to General Hine and she's like, it's the alien Gaia. It'll only get stronger when you attack it. And he's <laughs> like, I'm going to keep attacking it. So, yeah. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> we now get the scene where Aki's half passing out. Um, there's been like another ape spirit born in the crater right mm-hmm. near where they are. And Aki sort of half passes out and Gray's standing outside of their little ship firing on the phantoms coming. Well, no, he's try he starts firing on the phantoms, but Sid tells him not to in case he kills whatever one might be the ape spirit. And then it all goes really, really weird. <laughs> yeah, I kind of got how lost did, in this part. So I was gonna say, how did you interpret this part? Well, I don't understand where the other eighth spirit came from exactly. <laughs> okay. So I don't think anyone does. Okay. Good. It wasn't just me. Uh, I was like, was Aki the last spirit? Was it already in her? Was it like what she was infected with, maybe? I think the last spirit may have been inserted in Aki in space. Hmm. Yeah? Like when? Uh, when she had sex with Gray. <laughs> huh. <laughs> um, I, I think the, uh, so the ape spirit is a phantom. She goes into this weird trance and she sort of interacts with the with the eighth spirit's phantom. Mm-hmm. And and then the phantom sort of inserts itself into her. And then she says something about new life. I wish I'd written it down. Like my notes get really thin at this point. The ending always engrosses me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why I've watched this film so many times, because I know the ending's just gonna take me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, she mentions something about new life. And so I kind of feel like the ape spirit, although it was a phantom, was attracted to Aki because she was recently pregnant. Maybe. <laughs> um, and then there's a weird scene as well where where Baldwin asks her, like, how did, like, because she says, I've got the ape spirit. I'm, I've completed the wave. And he's like, what? How did that happen? She was like, eh, I'll tell you in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so they convert. So yeah, she's somehow, you know, there's my fan theory. She's pregnant and it attracted the ape spirit, but she yeah, somehow manages to, to complete okay. the spirit while half passed out in a chair yeah. <laughs> of the vehicle they're in. Um, so we should mention while this is going on, Heinz uh, up in space wanting to fire the laser again, but it's overheated. So no one else will do it. So he has yes. to go prepare to fire the laser on his own. Yeah, he goes to like some sort of thing where he's going to do it manually. And why no one chases him down, I do not know. <laughs> they don't care that much. They're only getting paid by the hour. Like they just <laughs> Yeah, but you know, they know what's gonna happen when it overheats, and that's why they don't want to fire it. Whereas Wood's just, just like, no, I'm gonna keep firing this fucker. <laughs> uh, and he runs off and it's just like I would have got out of my chair and gone beat the shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, I can't remember quite how it all lines up. So basically, the Zeus cannon explodes uh-huh. because he's trying to fire it, and I think this is like the if he fires it one more time, it pretty much is going to rip a hole into the earth because the last one he does fire does scar it, and then you suddenly see the blue guy. Mm-hmm. And Aki gets very excited, going, "It's Gaia! Yeah. <laughs> oh, my fear, my crazy fears are true." <laughs> it just made me think of Captain Planet. But... <laughs> oh man, no um, one wants to be hot. <laughs> so before Hein <laughs> fires the laser, he says like one of my favorite lines that I feel like is something similar to this in every uh, JRPG I've ever played. But uh, he says, "I'll blast you all to hell." I feel like there's always something like that in every JRPG game. <laughs> like some enemies just like, I'll take you to hell or something. So, yeah, wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, right. Yes. So he does that. He fires. The thing doesn't actually fire. It blows up. And then they convert the energy sealed on their, sh- on their little car, Aki and Gray, into the the spirit wave and then every time a spirit touches it it disappears so everything they've been trying to achieve is working mm-hmm. but they need to get the big guy to touch it um and this is the point where you get the final blast from the zeus cannon which rips a hole into the earth and sort of destroys their ship and so this is where we get the bit where everything all of like this big sp- red space phantom thing is pressing down on top of the pair of them and they have a very emotional scene together where gray gives up his life to save her and the planet because she has the eighth way inside of her she's holding gray's hand and which is kind of passing the spirit into like the the wave into gray and then he reaches out and lets the big alien spirit take him and so his spirit then cancels it out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man this scientology is so strange <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was so lost at this point I'm yeah like okay this is but that's 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 it really and then um put a note here about when um so all the space aliens basically turn blue and evaporate into mm-hmm. this sort of like weird blue rain and there's a bit where sid's holding out his hand and a bit of blue rain touches him <laughs> and he goes yeah. oh it's warm <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was hilarious uh and then uh, the film, the film pans out and ends with uh, the stupid eagle again, because yeah. life is now going to return. <laughs> I have written down that we follow that bird to see the world is full of hope. Yes. Whereas when me and my two friends, who I went to the cinema to watch this with on release, mm-hmm. uh, when we walked out of the film, we were like, "What the fuck was that stupid eagle about at the end?" Because <laughs> <laughs> we kind of we kind of missed a bit. You know, we, obviously we'd watched it, but it had mm-hmm. gone over our heads the bit in the middle of the film where the eagle is there and they say, "Oh, it's waiting for life to return." Yeah. But it's a huge plot point because it's how they end the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, they they definitely wanted that to be like something big like oh you remember that bird yes he uh-huh. <laughs> remember the bird he doesn't have to wait that much longer right except for he's the only eagle left and they're all gonna die out <laughs> uh, yeah that's it that is uh that's final fantasy the spirits within yep it's final fantasy the new final fantasy movie yep this is the non-final fantasy final fantasy movie <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did you think of it tyler did you um, like it I thought it was like impressive, the animation, like it all looks really, really good, but the story was kind of flat and 
I don't know. There just wasn't like none of the characters really like grabbed me. I didn't really care about anyone. That's because the little girl wasn't in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so you really like it? Like it's. I I do you know what? I don't. I think it's a good movie. I don't think it's a great movie, but it's one that I've always come back to. And so I kind of, I do love it for some reason, but I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) But like I say, I can watch most of this movie. I don't really pay attention to like the first 40 minutes. And then towards the end, I pay lots of attention. I really enjoy the ending for some reason. But you don't know what's happening exactly. No, I just assume she's pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. Yeah, I just, I don't know why I like it so much, but I just do. Uh, Probably because I'm just a big Final Fantasy nerd, as probably most of your listeners have guessed. <laughs> yeah, even though this is basically not Final Fantasy, but no. it's okay. No, but it's got it in the title, so I'll yeah, give it some. Yeah. <laughs> so it technically counts. Yeah, I thought it was, I, I was really impressed by the animation. Um, I thought it was pretty cool, like how many, like, you know, like the voice cast was like, everybody's like well-known-ish. You know, I probably wouldn't have known who half those people were at the time. But now I see that list. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that person from this. But everything I know them from is things that have happened like recently. So, hmm. yeah, I suppose. But I mean, it's it's still an impressive list. I mean, just Alec Baldwin and James Woods. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they spent a lot of money on the actors. <laughs> yeah. So you got anything else you want to add or? Uh, well, obviously, you know, I have my own. I do have my own podcast, so I'm going to give it a little plug. Uh, I am one half of uh, the RPG Golden Years, uh, where we have uh, we're planning to play the Golden Generation of RPGs, uh, which is a very crazy thing that we've decided on. <laughs> uh, it's basically playing all the RPGs that were created on home consoles between Generation Four and Generation uh, Six of home consoles. So it's basically like from the SNES era to the PS2 era. Yeah, so that's but like 1989 to when? That's when it started. So the first uh, 16-bit console that was released was the Turbo Graphics, <laughs> And so there was a few uh, 1989 games on there uh, and other stuff. Uh, so, yeah, we started in 1989, but we only had like two games, two or three games to play from that era. Yeah, I think you had two. And then, uh, yeah, we're currently in 1990. Um and yeah just sort of like having a lot of fun with it really we've got about 500 games to play so we're going to be around for a long long time you've got like 500 games to play you've gotten through what like five <laughs> six now <laughs> just finished fantasy star 2 <laughs> uh, which is on the genesis or mega drive as we call it in the uk but yeah it's really good really good fun uh, so check us out we're a weekly show as well so if you like your content regular me and rich are here for you and you can contact us at RPG Years on Twitter if you want to find us. And if you like your content very irregular, you can keep listening to this podcast because sometimes <laughs> I get two a month, sometimes it's one every three months. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll keep listening. Uh, I, I love all the movies that you've been watching. <laughs> yeah. my, my New Year's resolution, which this episode will probably come out after the New Year, but <laughs> it's to try and be a little more consistent with my schedule. But I don't know. We'll see. So you've got another podcast that hopefully oh, there'll be uh, other people contributing before oh, the, dead, the dead podcast society. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, we've only got one episode out on that and that was me. Uh, I'm hoping yourself will uh, contribute an episode. Yep. I, I've got one in like in the works that I want to do. It's um, do you listen to it's a duck blur? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, Turtle power pod. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, Bassam and uh, Sarah from It's a Duck Blur, they had a podcast together called Wiki How We Do It. 
where they challenge each other to do WikiHow articles. Oh, right. and it's really funny. And they just like stopped doing it um, a little bit over a year ago. I think like the year of it ending would have been, uh, yeah, it would have been um, like in May. Oh, right. Okay. So you're going to, um, you're yeah. going to, you're going to shoot them into the uh, dead podcast society. <laughs> yeah, I've been bugging them about it and trying to get them to restart it. So I figured this would be a good push. <laughs> yeah, so, I think that's a good idea. Yep. So, so uh, do you have, have you got... a quote to go out on? To like, I do. Sign off? Did you Did you pick one as well? I do. I haven't figured out how I'm going to use it yet. So if you want to do yours, I'll figure mine out. <laughs> yep. So my one is, it is not a fairy tale. It is true. <laughs> which dr says does during his scientology speech <laughs> i thought that was hilarious yeah mine is somehow i'll blast you all to hell <laughs> like, yeah. next time listeners i'll blast you all to hell <laughs> yes and remember folks it's not a final fantasy it is true <laughs> and i'll blast you all to hell this has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content.